This is Cam from the Nerdbook Review, where we broaden your fantasy horizons. We will be bringing you a replay by Ken Grimwood. It is an older book, uh, written in the late 80s. Casey is doing his best Barry impression on this one. Uh, It has been a while since we had Casey, so I was really excited to be able to do a book with him. Uh, We'll have one more coming up pretty quick, and then we will probably lose him to his work schedule again. Next week, we will be bringing you another author interview, Deborah Wolf. I'm super excited. I have loved both of her books in the Dragon's Legacy series, as well as the first book in her urban fantasy series called Split Feather. We talked about both those books and her life uh, experiences that led um, her to write both the books, and it was really uh, just a good time. As per usual, I'm going to give you the spiel of how you can get a hold of us, and then we'll get right to the podcast. You can reach us by email at nerdbookreview at gmail.com, on our Facebook page, Nerdbook Review, and by Twitter, Nerdbook Review is the handle there. As always, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much, and we'll get right to the review. Hi, I'm Cam. I'm Casey. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today, we will be reviewing Replay by Ken Grimwood. Casey, you're back. Yes, finally. I've been a long <laughs> sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, well, your schedule was not very friendly last year. Nope. Uh, I'm pretty busy during the school year, so yeah. that's yeah, first time I've been back in quite a while. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to have you back, and uh, I think we're going to be lucky enough we're going to do another book here pretty quick. So we'll get at least two... Uh, Two reviews in before you go back to to the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. All righty. Uh, let me give you the quick book info. And then Katie or Casey will read the very short blurb, amazingly so. Uh, the book is a standalone novel. It was published in 1986. He's uh, Casey's channeling his inner Barry here. Uh, In 1988, it won the World Fantasy Award for Best Novel. Uh, Grimwood, who died in 2003, was a journalist before he became a full-time writer. So I kind of wonder if it wasn't like a little uh, play on his own life here with the the novel. Yeah, it could have been. And I wasn't really looking for a book from the past like uh, Mr. Smith does sometimes. Or I don't know if he actually looks for them to be old or just... I think that's just what he likes. Yeah. But um, I was actually just browsing around the book club uh, section at one of our local libraries, and uh, I'd never heard of the book, so I just picked it up to read. And then I told Cameron, um, I have a book we can do. So Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um, yes. this novel isn't really like our typical fantasy series. I mean, it is fantasy, I guess, but it's not... What, what, what? It's almost more like a psychological thriller at times, like... Yeah, kind of. I also thought it was sort of a, it's almost a throwback kind of science fiction. There used to be a lot of time stuff. Yeah. Especially with all the emerging physics and everything. Yeah. So I guess we should uh, have Casey read the blurb real quick, and then we'll uh, get into our thoughts on the book and describing the book. Okay, Jeff Winston was 43 and trapped in a tepid marriage and dead-end job, waiting for that time when he could truly be happy when he died. And when he woke, he was 18 again, with all his memories of the next 25 years intact. He could live his life again, avoiding the mistakes, making money from his knowledge of the future, seeking happiness, 
until he dies at 43 and wakes up back in college again. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, for uh, Goodreads, this is pretty oddly succinct. So um, that one's, you know, that's good enough. So basically, we have Jeff Winston. He, as it said, he's 43. He's trapped in a dead-end marriage. I love how uh, he says he's a dead-end job. He's the uh, editor or the information guy for a uh, for an NPR station, wasn't he? Uh, he's like the managing director, managing director of yeah. a radio station. Yeah, I think it's an NPR station actually too, mm. which is kind of funny to me. Do you want to describe a little bit more of the like what what the book's about, like early, especially like just the general premise? Yeah. So the general premise is <clears throat> the book starts out in the first sentence of the only paragraph of the beginning. You should edit that out. That was garbage. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the first sentence of the book, he dies. And then, you know, he's he's going through some confusion and stuff. And then he wakes up and he's in college and he's 18 again. And, And so, like, when he looks in the mirror, he sees himself at 18. But uh, as was mentioned above, he uh, retains all the knowledge and information that he's had for the past 25 years. So it's not like that's all been erased. And uh, he also knows when he dies. So that's always sort of looming in the future. And um, Although not as much with the first one. I don't think he's quite sure he's going to die uh, with his first replay. But from there on out, he will. It will always be that looming right. event. I guess we don't really need to talk about how many times he dies and wakes up, but with with each one, he he tries to live differently, and a lot of times that means um, marrying somebody else, sometimes having kids, um, really just trying to to figure things out as he goes. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good, uh, um, you know, uh, wrap up of it. There is one other person that she comes into play a little bit later, and this would probably be like getting into a little bit of spoiler territory if it wasn't a 30-year-old book. But uh, (laughs) Pam, who will kind of like become the love of his life, really. But um, she's also replaying, and he finds her out like on like his third or fourth replay where something weird happens. She makes a movie that is like a massive hit. It has like Steven Spielberg and uh she went and plucked a lot of people that are famous now when they were unknowns so there was like spielberg and lucas yep and i don't remember like about oh like, um what are the rings guy peter jackson yeah peter jackson yeah i think he was for cinematography or something like something that like that or maybe i'm just making that up i don't remember. um yeah and i think she has like lucas do like 3d special or not special 3d but special effects, effects and yeah. then yeah so anywho but obviously, like, something's different there. So he finds her then. But her replay situation sucks, like, real bad. It's even earlier than you wrote. Oh, is it? It's 11. So. Oh, is it? I thought she was 14. I'm pretty sure it's 11. Is it? Huh. Maybe. Either way, she's young. And so, and it's real important to talk about that he comes back in 1963. So when and they both do so it's important to note that they both die basically the same time and come back at the same time yeah and just to make it clear so when jeff dies he wakes up and he's 18 when pam dies uh she comes back and she's somewhere between the ages of 11 and 14 i think she uh, yeah because i think i thought it was four years younger than him because i thought she died and she was 39 but anyways she her situation sucks even more she has kids in her first one, and she's a housewife. 
um, in 88. And so when she goes back, either way, she's a kid in an era, especially before like women's lib. Um, it's important to remember that when we think about the 60s, we're basically like, if you think of like the hippies and drug 60s, it's like 60, it's basically like 68 or 67, 68 to like 72, 73. So like it's a totally, 63 is a totally different time period than like 69 is. Yeah, we've kind of talked about that before. Yeah, like the, with... Uh, the, the decade doesn't finish yeah. until a few years into the next Yeah, one. and it doesn't really... Like the one of the 60s we think of doesn't start till the mid to late 60s. So she is a... And, and it's important to remember that she's been like a super famous in like, you know, movie director. Uh, she was a famous artist in one of her replays. She was married to like Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot and, uh, about that. Yeah, and then she has to go back to be a teenager and in an era where like, you know, like she's supposed to do exactly what her parents tell her. And then, uh, so she's pretty hurt when she loses her kids, obviously. Um, Casey, have, do you ever, have you ever had that fantasy or this, this specific fantasy before? No. Um, I was thinking about that earlier today because when I, told Cameron I was thinking about doing this book he 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 told me that it'd been a sort of a secret fantasy of his for a long time I don't know about fantasy like you wanted no like, like just like one of those like daydream type yeah. of a like fantasies you know no I mean uh, you know I think I'm like most people like I think back and like I would have done this different and that different but no I, I guess I never really did have that fantasy before I'm probably like on the high end of the crazy hyper imagination type of a thing. Like if I can't fall asleep at night, what I will do actually is just like create random stories in my mind. And like at one point, this was like a thread, like one of my story threads that like I would have like, it would have carried on like as like the nights, you know, like if I couldn't sleep for like five nights in a row, then like the, the story would have just kept going on and on thinking of different like replay. And that's, you know, I'll do, I'll do things like that for like maybe a month at a time. Or I'll have like, I'll create like a story, like a, like maybe like a fantasy story in my head. Anyways, and this has, has been one of those, you know, every once in a while. It's certainly something that uh, before I had kids was a, was a fantasy, you know, like one of those kind. But since I've had Bran, it's totally different because then you're always like, well, I would never be able to have Bran again. Even if I married Katie again, the odds that I made managed to make it exact, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. would just be too, uh, too hard to do. And I think that like, that's where, you know, like once you have kids, like I haven't had, you know, that kind of a fantasy since then. But uh, I will say that one thing that uh, he waits till like his third or fourth replay before he finally has a drug-fueled orgy-filled replay. I think that my first replay is that's how that would have played <laughs> out for me. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, uh, and this speaks to another part of the book, it's sort of like winning the lottery. Yeah. Uh, he knows where he's at, how old he is, when he's going to die. And he does retain that knowledge, like we keep saying. So he's able to uh, financially support himself by placing uh, wages on the Kentucky Derby and some other horse racing. Yeah, I think like that, like for the Belmont. Yeah, the Belmont. I think like the Kentucky Derby, uh, like a, a crazy long shot horse wins it. And then that same year, he makes a ton of money. The Dodgers are huge underdogs, and they sweep the Yankees. And so he bets on the Yankees to sweep. It's like a 1,000 to 1 odds or something crazy like that. He makes millions of dollars, you know, doing it. 
And uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, he makes himself rich. And I always think, I was like, oh, and, you know, in, that, in mine before, I'd have been like, oh, yeah. Like, right about that, t- like, the time we were in college, there was some big ones. Like, Apple was, like, a dollar a share. Amazon was, like, two-something. And, you know, you're just, like, the random ones where you could make yourself pretty rich now, too. But the big thing is, is that, like, that his, uh, that, yeah, he, he never does, um, he never goes back to school again, which is funny for him, you know. I, I would have thought I would have, I think I would have had, like, a time where I would have gone back to college again and done something, or even done the same thing. And then gone on to grad school or something, you know. But he always just goes straight up and gets rich. Yeah. When I was reading this, I was thinking, like, how screwed I would be in his situation if I'm trying to make money off of uh, sports betting. <laughs> um, Casey, I mean, when you're such a huge sports fan, though. I know. I can't get enough. Somebody like Cameron would do extremely well because you, I don't know, you're interested. You watch Sports Center and stuff, I yeah. assume, and listen to ESPN Radio, and I have none of that. <laughs> so i wouldn't have been rich if well you could still me. like figure the stocks like the the big ones though i mean when we were 18 a lot of like the big tech stocks were in a had tanked massively amazon stock yeah like amazon and apple um they were both really low i think because there was a big like tech bubble about the time that we would have uh been in high school and then after that you know yeah and jeff uh he does that as well other than just sports betting he invests in uh various companies he knows are gonna do well like xerox and i don't remember what it's really funny like all these 80s companies that aren't around today that uh would have been like massive back then though um i think this is actually one thing that um is an issue that i have with the book is i had a hard time relating a little bit because it was like such a i mean 63 is two full generations ago and really like not a time period i've ever done a lot of studying on you know and it just seems like a different era i mean they have to have chaperones when they you know like like the women's have their dorm the women have their dorms they have to be back in their dorm room by like 11 oh yeah on the weekend you know and that like there's just things that i think that would have like, I just had a hard time, like, relating to some of that, you know? I don't know. What did you think on that? Um, I guess I just sort of accepted it as that's the way it was then. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it's just, those kinds of things are, are pretty prevalent in our culture still. I mean, like, people's remembrances and memories of them. So, it's, you know, it's not like I've never been exposed to them yeah. before. So, yeah. It didn't bother me. What did you think of the structure of the book? Seems like the first like 30% of the book was his first year of of his replay, though, of his first replay. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. It kind of makes sense, though. Like, I think after that first one, he sort of, he knows the rules. Um, and I guess you could say the stakes of what he's doing. Whereas, you know, the first time around, everything yeah. is just brand new to him in a sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even like you said, your, your, your second replay by then you would have been good. Like I'm sure you would have figured things that like started looking at things. But it didn't, it didn't do a whole lot of the rest of his life though. Then you go into like where he's in middle age and he's got a child and he's fighting with his rich wife who he married mainly because she was also rich like he was and knew the social rules, you know? Yeah. But I felt like there was like a massive amount of the book that just took place in that first year too. Not like the first like five years of his life even. It was like that first nine months almost. Yeah, 
if anything, to me, that sort of thing uh, lended itself kind of to an overall theme of like time slipping away. Yeah, that was a big theme as the novel continued on. I mean, he has a lot of lives that he regrets that he, you know, when he's done with them. Yeah, I was thinking on the way over here that sometimes it sounds goofy saying something like this, but time is sort of a character in this book itself. Oh, that's that's absolutely correct. Um, in fact, I would say like really only like the third life that he lives is the only one that he fully was happy about the entire time. Yeah. Where he married uh, the girl that was his girlfriend in the first one. Judy. Judy, yeah. Um, the... Uh, um, what are some other things here? What are some, what are some of your other thoughts on the book, Casey? Um, I found it incredibly easy to read, which to me means a few things. But I mean, he's a good writer, and I picked up the book again uh, just the other day, just to sort of refamiliarize myself with it, and I found myself just sliding right back into the story again. And um, so I, I like the overall plot Mm -hmm. it's you know it's an interesting idea it's not completely original but um i haven't i don't think i've read a lot of time travel books out outside of a couple like time quake by kurt vonnegut and you know everybody's read dickens which is sort of a time travel well it is a time travel book and of course who hasn't read the time traveler's wife yeah, <laughs> I have read that. Yeah, so have I. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was really good. I actually liked the book a lot. I didn't care for the movie because yeah. I felt like the movie trivialized some really important parts of the book, just offhand. Yeah, and actually there's kind of an interesting connection there, if if I'm remembering right. Because um, in that book, he's a librarian, right? Is that yep. Th- okay, and so like... He's, he keeps kind of coming in and out of, of time, and his wife, sometimes she's like a little kid when they meet, and there's there's that a little bit of oddness, like, eh, I don't know about this. And then in this book as well, um, one of the times that... Oh, yeah. The, time, the life after Jeff and Pam meet, he like he gets up and he just drives straight to her house, and... Cameron would have you, have you believe that she's 14, but she's 11. I'm almost certain she's 14. And um, so her parents are, are understandably freaked out that there's like an 18-year-old guy there to see their 11 to 14-year-old daughter. <laughs> and um, <laughs> basically what they have to do is um, the dad allows her to go out on like a couple of dates with them a week when she's 16. Like chaperoned dates. Yeah. And so eventually they're together, but there is all, there is that same kind of weirdness or I don't know. Yeah. It's not really cringy, but kind of a, just a very awkward situation between an adult and a child. No, I really can't believe they didn't do more uh, talking about the, uh, the situation. Like, how they were going to, ha- it seems like they didn't like do anything figuring out how they were going to handle the fact that she's young and he's 18. Yeah. Um, it seems like, again, maybe just as part of the book, like time really kind of got away from them, I think, in that, that first life. And it was like, I think to them, it was kind of over in a snap. And so they didn't really have 
time or the forethought to think about those kinds of yeah. things. Yep. Um, so there, there will be one other uh, replayer at some point, but I'll, uh, if you decide to read this book, I'll let you guys uh, learn about that guy on your oh, own. Man. Yeah, he's something else. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing that I want to talk about, like with the book itself, the writing. Mm-hmm. I felt like it gets a little bit too gratuitous at times. Uh, it veers into what Katie would call cliterature. Um, there are some very graphically described sex scenes. Um, there I mean, are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, felt- I just happen to like those in books or anywhere I can get them. So. <laughs> I. I don't have any issues with it. I mean, clearly, I'm a godless heathen. Sure. But I, I felt like at times it veered into, like, distracting me from the, the rest of the story almost, you know? Like, I mean, there were some pretty, like, his, uh, his time when he goes to Paris, and which also, I, I felt like that's, I swore that it seemed like that he was there for, like, five years, and it was less than a year when he tries to, when they decide they're going to go to Hawaii. So, anyways, they, uh, like he just has like a one year long drug fueled orgy in Paris, like legitimately orgies, um, which is funny. Actually, I read I was reading the author actually spent from 61 to 63 in Paris. And it's like, huh, I wonder if he was like channeling his own life at all on that, too. There's actually a lot of things like he uh, the author uh, um, was a journalist as well as the main character and he spent um, a couple years living in Paris. And then uh, after that went on and was a writer, but was, which actually he is, Jeff is at one point too. He's a writer. Yeah. And then uh, also it said that like later on in his, a little bit later on in his life, he was a recluse and only hung out with a few friends here and there and lived on the West Coast. And it's like, huh, Jeff becomes a recluse for for quite a while in one of his lives. It's like, I wonder if he's like parodying his own life quite a bit here. Yeah, it's it's always an interesting game speculating about the parallels between authors Mm -hmm. and what they write. But as most of them end up saying, you know, there's parts of truth in here. Yeah, and some of it's just you know complete fiction. Yeah. Um, as far as like the sex scenes and stuff. Uh, to me, it sort of seemed like there were, I don't know, for each life, there was almost like a discrete time and like this life, I'm going to kind of do this and this life, I'm going to do this. And, and for the sex scenes, to me, it was just sort of categorized under like his decadent life. Yeah. But like it describes in pretty in detail to like his one of his like sex scenes with his wife too, and the one where he actually marries her and has the good life with her. Yeah, and then also with Pam. There was only one scene that surprised me as far as that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And honest to goodness, I couldn't tell you what it was. I don't even remember. So Casey, uh, let's get into the, like the whether you liked it um, and all that kind of good, uh, good fun stuff. How did it make us feel? All that. What did you think? Yeah, I liked it uh, a fair amount better than uh, Cameron, I believe. Yeah. Um, I could definitely see why some people would think this is a depressing book because at times it certainly is. But I, I think what I really liked about it was that Jeff was 
almost always optimistic and or at least realistic about his expectations most of the time until maybe towards the end. And it was sort of a, I don't know, it, it makes you think about priorities, I guess. I mean, it's all very cliche, but, you know, and I think that was part of the reason for the book is maybe he was, you know, back to speculating. Maybe he was sort of looking at his own life and the way that, that things could have gone and the way that, that they did. And, you know, maybe writing this book was sort of a, a wish fulfillment for him for the life that he wasn't able to lead. Yeah, because this one would have been was actually written while he was the night editor of at a radio station. Apparently, he mostly just wrote for the last couple of years while he was an editor still. So he still would have been working as a journalist and not full-time as an author when he wrote this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe you're right there. And, uh, you know, he probably wasn't making a lot of money back, you know, then as a night editor, as a journalist at a radio station, you know? I doubt it because Jeff at one point says, like, being the general manager of the radio station or whatever is not as lucrative or as special as it may sound. Yeah. It sounds, you know, people probably think it sounds prestigious when it's not making him any money for sure. Yeah. But, um, which is probably why so many, uh, unless they're the real famous people on NPR is why so many of them are there for a few years and then go on to like much more lucrative, uh, uh, networks, you know, unless you're, yeah, Terry Gross making 150k a year. Yeah, and even that, like, I mean, look at like the Fox News or any of those kind of guys that are making like 12 million a year type of a deal, you know. Yeah, I think that my my issue problem with the book was mostly that, well, one, I had a hard time going back, like thinking back to the time period. Pam just always her story always depressed me, like having to go back, you know, and be a kid. And then, like, as it goes farther where she's back to, like, having her kids again, you know? Had a hard time relating, like, the time period-wise stuff. For I mean, that's not a big deal, but... And then, I don't know, I just... And, like, things got way worse as the book went on. And I felt like before they hit the ending... Or the, they hit the ending, and then there was a short period of time after. But for me, it was so... It was, like, right at, you know, like... I mean, I went right from that one part to the next part, and it was, like, you know, 20 minutes later by the time I was done, is all. So I, it was, like... it. I never had the time... Like, I needed another couple, ch- three chapters of, like, you know, resolution, maybe, hmm. to where, like, my last thought in the book wasn't one of hope. It was, a, like, a depressing one, you know? Like, or at least the... Emo- like, it left me emotionally feeling, you know, like, desolate almost, like, that this life is meaningless, kind of, like, it was almost what, they, you know, you start to feel at the end there. And I didn't have enough time, maybe if I'd have stopped and then finished the last chapter or two, like, a day later... But as the book ended, I was still feeling that way, you know? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, For me, the book ended almost perfectly. Um, It was completely reasonable and sort of depressing, but at the same time, it could be sort of life-affirming. I mean... I don't know. The whole the whole book is sort of a an existential crisis about this guy finding out who he is and how to live in the world and be a decent person. Yeah, well, I don't I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm just saying like the way it left me feeling though, you know, was so depressed that I just never Yeah, I know, but yeah. you're wrong is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. I'm that you know, I'm used to that. So <laughs> anyways, and then uh 
I don't know. I, I think, uh, I don't know. In this one, I'm almost going to have to pull, you know, pull a Casey one here and say, instead of reading this, read Time Traveler's Wife. It's better. Oh, I, I got one of those loaded too. Oh, do you? But we, we actually we have to, haven't gone over the star rating. No, yet. we haven't. So I would probably give this a... Cameron did talk me down a little bit. Uh, 3.75. Okay. And I would probably give this one... I'm actually going to go the higher range on mine, two and a half, because I'm going to... That's going to mostly be where I feel like it was It was good writing mm-hmm. and the story is meaningful, but we're, I'm really knocking it on my, the my enjoyment part of it. It's not getting more than like a half star of my enjoyment, you know? If, if like two and a half is the writing and two and two and a half is my enjoyment, if we're thinking of it that way, like I'm going to give the writing and the plot a two and or maybe like 1.75 because like I said, I feel like... I didn't like the pacing of it necessarily, or the I felt like the sex scenes were gratuitous, but it was well written, and uh, but my enjoyment level was pretty low in the whole thing, you know. And I then, um, yeah, the whole Casey, would you recommend this one to others? This is where we get that part of it right normally for you. <clears throat> On whether you would instead recommend something else, I yeah. can't remember the uh, the structure. I, that's kind of a hard one. I think I would caveat free because I don't like giving people my opinion, although when you hand somebody a book and say, read this, it's <laughs> kind of a big opinion. Yeah, so I wanted to cover one thing real fast. Yeah. And I had the idea that maybe all of these lives weren't actually real. Um, that that first time he's dying, he even thinks to himself, like, shouldn't I be having flashbacks? Shouldn't I be thinking about all these important moments of my life? And... I don't think that's what the author intended, but I thought it was kind of an interesting idea that maybe as he was dying, you know, time slowed down so much that he was he felt like he had lived all these other lives. Uh, but doesn't he meet Pam, talk to Pam again afterwards, and she remembers things too? Anyway, I just, like I said, I don't think that's yeah, I don't what I, was intended. I just thought it was maybe an interesting idea. Thanks for shitting on that. Um, <laughs> so what I, what I would recommend instead is what are, what are you looking at? Um, well, I just wrote a few things down. Oh yeah. Cause I was making some back to future references. Um, like <laughs> one of his lives, he's kind of like Biff, but most of the time he's like Marty. Anyway, the book by Stephen King about, the guy trying to stop the Kennedy assassination. Oh yeah. The title of the book is just a date. It's like eleven twenty two sixty three. I want to say. Yeah, I can't remember. I when I was looking at Wikipedia earlier today, mm. I saw that like reference. I, I've never read it myself, but so it's. Uh, I would definitely recommend that over this. Um, a few things are similar, like in both <laughs> in both books, they can't make huge like uh, world changing. Um, well, they can't change the world in really big ways. Yeah, basically, and and so in the Stephen King one, the main character is trying to stop the assassination of Kennedy, and uh, they've actually made it into a uh, Amazon or Hulu series. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just like recently. Yeah, James Franco plays the guy, and he's just so oh, shifty. Oh, God, I know what you're... I, I have a hard time watching I've him. watched an episode or two. I know, you know the same thing. I just have a... I don't know. He kind of seems... He's kind of... Yeah, shifty. Like, he's kind of a little greasy, you know? Like, yeah. 
something about him. I like him when he plays a stoner, but like Pineapple Express is amazing. But <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's okay. Oh, I thought it was a hilarious movie. Anywho, but yeah, I would actually, you know what? I didn't even think about that. Like until we started talking, I really did like Time Traveler's Wife, the book. Yeah, so did I. I, I would definitely recommend that one. Yeah, too. I was surprised how much I liked it. Yeah, I know. I can't even remember why I read the book. I think that, I mean, this doesn't really like recommend things here, but I'm pretty sure my mom read the book and was like, "Oh, you like this kind of stuff? You should read this." And so I did. I think I read it. Because it was in vogue. Or actually, that's not true. I don't read books usually when they're in vogue. I I read them about two years after. (laughs) So I read, yeah, I just picked it up because I'd heard so much about it about two years after the whole craze uh, died away. Same thing with like Gone Girl. I didn't read that until much later. And my mom picks books up during the craze, so that's why I would have read it. Because I read it before the movie came out. And then when I watched the movie, I was really disappointed. There's, I think that you have to do some things though in a movie, that like to make it a mass market appeal. I understand. Yeah, I but don't like know. I didn't see the movie, so I don't know. Well, yeah, and then as I've as uh, Casey will no doubt disagree with me on, but as I have mentioned, that there's some very uh, graphic sex scenes. There isn't any violence, is there? He, I don't think he gets into a fight at any point in the book, does he? I don't think so. No, he has like fights like verbally with some people occasionally, but nothing. But there is a lot of sex, so probably not for young teens. Yeah. Not that they're not already aware of internet porn and things (laughs) like that. But, uh, you know, I I almost feel in a sense that, like, the Stephen King book I mentioned is, I really liked it. It's one of my favorite of his. But a book like that is necessarily huge on plot, right? Yeah. The whole thing revolves around an assassination. And this book is fairly big on, on plot, too. But so the Stephen King one is a lot more action. This one is very more down to uh, the person, the person kind of level. And it's almost like if those two books could get married and have a child, it would be the perfect book for me. <laughs> yeah. That's just kind of a random thought. Yeah, de- definitely a random thought. Thank you. <laughs> Especially since I was asking you what you thought about for the uh, age appropriateness of the book. You didn't ask that yet. I think I did. I no. just yeah, that's what I was just talking about. Well, you just talked. You just said there's a lot of sex scenes. And oh yeah. You said something about oh, there so, wasn't any violence. So I said probably not for young teens, but I'm sure you'll disagree with me. <laughs> what do you think? How old? Oh, um, I don't know, twelve and up. Okay. <laughs> I'd say more like probably like 14 or 15 and up, but... Yeah, you like that 14. <laughs> I'm sure I'm right. So I'm going to change mine to 11 and up. All righty. <laughs> All right. Well, Casey, thank you for coming over again. Wait, hold on. Oh, what, what's up? So I think the next time I'm going to come over, I thought we'd announce the book. So oh, like, okay. If one of your two listeners wants to read it ahead of time, no, oh, yeah, and disagree with us, um, so the next book I'm going to do is "The Steel Remains" by Richard K. Morgan. It's uh, kind of a return to form with the uh, grim dark stuff. Okay, um, almost finished with it, and so far it's very nice. Okay, I'm excited. I'm going to start reading it almost immediately so that uh, we can make sure we get in. Um, I'm actually a little ways ahead on my reading. Um, I've I've been starting to read a few just for myself or for people that I've told that I will review that I'm not guaranteeing you know make on the pod. 
And uh, then pretty quick here, I'm going to have to get into a uh, full spiffbo swing of things. Oh, I, I was going to ask you, have you heard of uh, like The Age of Myth by Sullivan? Yeah, Michael J. Sullivan. Yeah, have you read it? I have not. That would probably be a good one. to. D- oh, I just, I just picked it up like two days ago to read after I read the sequel of The Still Remains. Okay. Well, we can maybe get that one in there too when we have a chance. Uh, um, it is something that I have, I've had on my you know, TBR list for a while, but it just seems like, you know, you always get things in there. So, yeah. Um, anywho, thanks again for coming over. Uh, we had a good dinner, some corn and some barbecue chicken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Yes. So anywho, I'll see you again shortly then for the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Right, thank you. Thank you.